Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Oh, hello, believers, skeptics, and residual Scoobies. It is I, your fearless co-leader, Jenny Owen Youngs, alone in intro town. That's right. Dad's in charge. Ice cream for breakfast. No rules. Just right. Just have a couple pieces of business to cover here in the intro before we get into the main episode. want to tell you that we have a very special guest, Jeff Kober, back on the pod. We talked to him for Buffy a while back, and now we are blessed to have him back on the podcast to talk about his experience making this episode of The X-Files. We had such a lovely conversation. He's such a peach of a man. Uh, You're going to love it. Speaking of love and things which are love adjacent, it is, of course, my sacred duty to relate to you the results of the most recent Sexual Attention Awards. As usual, four slots and uh, approximately eight noms to fit within them. In fourth place, with a mere 10% of the vote, it's the ghost and the machine, you know? I thought it was meant to be. That's where I cast my vote, but I guess uh, I was in the minority. In third place, with 12% of the vote, not doing much better, it's Mulder and Deep Throat. I feel like the ghost and the machine deserve it better than Mulder and Deep Throat. I've had had enough of Deep Throat and his shenanigans, but I can't deny that Mulder is super into it. Uh, In second place, with 20% of the vote, it's Brad and COS. They clearly have... Some undeniable chemistry, of course. And what a treat. In first place with 57% of the vote, it's Scully and Mulder, or as uh, I like to say, Mulder and Scully. Uh, How about that? How about that? The mothership takes it for Ghost in the Machine. Huzzah. There's just one other thing I want to highlight for you before we get into it. Dear friends, uh, on June 10th, Kristen and I will be doing a live streaming live episode taping of season one episode 11 eve kristen's gonna come on over to maine me kristen frank in his ufo costume we will be live taping our conversation around this iconic episode we're also gonna have a very special secret for now guest i'm super pumped about i think that's gonna be really really fun uh you can find out more you can get tickets you can get all the info over at bufferingcast.com slash stream and one other special treat uh, regarding the live stream I want to highlight for you. We have an exclusive tea and crop tank design that's only going to be available through the live stream. Uh, we've got Mrs. Spooky Mulder teas and crop tops uh, live and thriving and available for those who desire them. So, again, you can get all that info at bufferingcast.com stream. Hope to see you there. 
Until then, here comes the episode directly into your ears. Here we go. As far as I'm concerned, you're all infected. Hodge is right. We ought to lock him up. Mulder. Scully, get that gun off me. Mulder, you have to understand. Put it down. You put it down first. Scully. For God's sakes, it's me. Mulder, you may not be who you are. X-Files. That's the EX-Files, a buffering rewatch adventure where we are watching and discussing every episode of the X-Files one by one, spoiler free. I am Jenny Owen Youngs, ex-wife of Kristen Russo, and I grew up watching the X-Files. And I'm Kristen Russo, ex-wife of Jennifer Youngs, and I've only ever... (laughs) Jennifer Youngs. (laughs) I just decided to change it up a bit. Uh, I've only ever seen eight episodes of The X-Files, and today we are talking about season one, episode eight, Ice. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> ice, ice, baby. <laughs> ice was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong and directed by David Nutter, who went on to direct a whole bunch of things, including a number of Game of Thrones episodes including but not limited to Kristen are you ready I'm ready the reigns of Castamir ever heard of it what what happens in that episode the red wedding <gasps> oh no and- I thought that was just called the red wedding I didn't know it had a whole sneaky <laughs> name to it Jesus Christ uh, no it's called the reigns of Castamir David Nutter uh, fuck off <laughs> <laughs> but he also directed a night of the seven kingdoms ever heard of it wow the range I mean, this is uh, producer Latoya Ferguson, I believe, uh, referred to David as a legend uh, in her mind. And uh, you are explaining to me exactly why. Uh, And later in this episode, we're actually going to talk to Jeff Kober, who also has a lot of amazing things to say about this director. So David Nutter, you're doing a good job, man. Great work. I just want to briefly highlight, since we so very rarely have a reason to talk about this, uh, back when Game of Thrones was still airing, Joanna Robinson, friend of the pod and uh, queen of the Seven Kingdoms, (laughs) charged me with an incredible responsibility. Uh, She asked me to write a handful of episodic songs for her Game of Thrones podcast, A Cast of Kings. And one of the episodes that I made a song for is called... (gasps) A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, directed by David Nutter. You could hear that song and all of our uh, Game of Thrones songs, along with all of our Buffy the Vampire Slayer songs, over at bufferingthevampireslayer.bandcamp.com. It's the only place that the Game of Thrones songs are available. Just wanted to highlight that since we are talking about another episode here. Another Uh, episode! (laughs) (laughs) 
And uh, hey, this episode originally aired on November 5th, 1993. Finally got there. Wow. This is the one, according to IMDb, where Mulder and Scully are sent to investigate when a team of geophysicists, physicists, stationed at a remote Alaskan outpost are killed by a Wow. I mean, the the person who wrote this description has made an opinion. A parasitic alien life form. (laughs) Oh, well, I think it's heavily implied. It is heavily implied, but I've not seen the, uh, to scully it, I've not seen the proof. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Producer Latoya Ferguson, (laughs) who's always telling me she won't turn her back for anyone, gives this episode a scary rating of three and a half out of five, dropping my cargo for no one's. We're really getting insight into what particularly gets, no pun intended, under LaToya's skin. LaToya, very cool with a friendly ghost, absolutely not okay with an under-the-skin parasite. I mean, yeah, this just, uh, when I I construct a haunted house (laughs) that I'm going to design specifically to creep LaToya (laughs) out... By the time we finish this podcast, I'm going to know exactly what to include oh, and what God. to omit. This is like in The Witches of Eastwick when Jack Nicholson asks all of the witches what their worst fear is and then uses it against them. We would never do that <sighs> to you, Latoya. Never. Uh, also, Jenny usually reads what Latoya has said about her rating, but specifically has not. And I know that Jenny has not read it because it includes the word poop, because I know how to build a haunted house for Jennifer Owen Young. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Latoya says uh, this, the rating clearly taken from Jeff Kober uh, as Bear. Um, and she says, he was talking about pooping and I knew I needed to make it part of podcast <laughs> history. Uh, right. And then she goes on to say, technically, this episode was probably the best so far at doing the scaries without being cloying, even though I was more invested in the performances and the fact that they much like Angela Bassett, did the thing. So that (laughs) kept me from being truly scared, just physically ill at times. So it's scary in a good way. Yeah, I think, I mean, if we can uh, transition directly into broad episode thoughts, Mm -hmm. best episode so far, it's like... It's like Squeeze is classic because Tombs is so iconic, but... This episode, I feel like, really has it all, and it's like, it's tight, it's light, the cast is out of control, David Nutter's at the helm, yeah. uh, Glenn Morgan and James Wong back with yet another entry into the canon, uh, everybody's firing on all cylinders, it's scary, it feels like, you know, it feels like watching Alien or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It feels so complete, like a perfect episode to introduce someone to the series Mm -hmm. if you don't want to start at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Except for, I mean, yes. Not enough, not enough significant eye contact, not enough Mulder gazing at Scully. I don't know. I, I, they're going to get their jingle actually. And I'm going to actually play the jingle twice, once for them and once for some other folks. But, um, Mm. but I, I think yes, in terms of the, tidiness and uh, great storytelling in this episode. Um, Latoya mentions in her production notes that this is a bottle episode, right? We are in one location for the entirety of this episode. Um, It's great for budgetary reasons, etc., though who knows how much they spent on the CGI worms. 
we'll get there. Yeah, actually, Ice was intended as a bottle episode, which would theoretically save money by being shot in a single location, but it did go over budget. (laughs) (laughs) Should have kept it to the practical worms, guys, for a lot of reasons. Uh, Budgets, one, and because the real worms were way better than the fake worms, number two. Can I tell you a little bit? About, oh, we're going in. We're going to worms. Worms o'clock. Let's hit it. Well, just just some broad stuff from the wiki that I think is interesting before we get into talking about it scene by scene. Uh, the interiors were filmed on a set constructed at an old Molson brewery site. Ooh. Love that. Uh, the episode's few exterior shots were filmed at Delta Air Park in Vancouver, whose, f- whose hangars and flat terrain simulated an Arctic location. No mention of the ridiculous exterior shot of the ar- the actual Arctic uh, <laughs> HQ, which is just like, it seems to be like a transparent cell lit from behind with just like a bunch of practical snow being leaf blown around. Honestly, if you showed me that and we get that shot, that exterior shot, we get it like at least three times, maybe more. And if you showed me that shot and said, what is this from? It's possible. I would say Frosty the snowman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's big. A very, a very special Christmas. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Is the abominable snowman here somewhere? Yeah. Okay. Now, are you ready for this? I'm ready. For the worm effect. One member of the special effects department suggested putting a, quote, baby snake in a latex suit. Stop Somebody it. wanted to put a latex <laughs> suit on a baby snake. After explaining that that couldn't be done, animal trainer Debbie Coe suggested using a super mealworm to achieve the desired effect. The effect of the worms crawling in the host bodies was achieved with wires under fake skin, including a skin with hair for the oh, dog. Stop, we'll Jenny. talk about that with Jeff later. Uh Digital effects, if you couldn't tell, digital effects were used for scenes involving the worms swimming in jars and entering the dog's ear. Although extra footage of the worm scenes was shot so they could last as long as intended, if Fox's standards and practices officials asked for cuts, no edits were requested. Wow. <laughs> and and buckle your seatbelt. The dog used in the episode was a parent of David Duchovny's dog, Blue. I know Kristen's reaching for the tissues. <laughs> I had to. I held the side. My desk is pretty wide. It's actually like I can just touch both sides of it, and I had to grip mm-hmm. one side. You're of studying it. yourself. And yeah, I really had to study myself for that one. So wait, do you know? Like, did David Duchovny already have Blue, or did he become best friends with this dog on the side? I'd like to believe they met at work, and then you know one thing led to another. Oh God. Uh, I have one more general thought about this episode. This is a real roller coaster, Jenny. You're taking me from fucking worms to wires to dogs. So I'm like, I yeah. really need a breather after it. Jesus. The only other thing I want to say before we get into the nitty gritty is there are a lot of very good Henleys and sweaters in this episode. <laughs> I want Mulder's outfit. I want Bear's outfit. I want Hodge's outfit. Even even Hodge. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah, I support that. I mean, I didn't particularly notice the Henleys, but that's not my role in the podcast. So um, my role is talking in detail about Felicity Huffman and Jillian Anderson naked, Uh touching each other's bodies, which will come later. Okay. 
Um, so this is a team. We've got, okay, like dream team, right? We've got Felicity Huffman, uh, who I just want you to know in my notes, the entire time I refer to as Felicity. So I think her name is Nancy. I'm calling her Felicity. We've got Xander Berkeley, another big time. These actors are fucking great. He plays Dr. Hodge. Jenny, I exclusively refer to him in my notes as Dr. Doctor, which comes from the direct conflict between two medical doctors inside of one Arctic building. <laughs> doctor, doctor. We've got Steve Hitner. Heitner. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, but he, I love him. He's actually, I think my favorite of, of like the crew, apart from of our King, Jeff Kober, who we are obsessed mm. with. Um, but mm-hmm. I love this guy who plays Denny. And then we have Jeff Kober uh, as bear. Kristen, not to nitpick, but I want to let you know that Hodge De Silva Felicity Huffman and Denny are all doctors. Okay, everyone but, is a doctor except Mulder and Bear. Okay, and actually, but, Mulder could be a doctor, like you know, the, the not the like medical doctors, <laughs> but he could have a title. Slow your roll, okay? Because okay, because only one of them gets the designation of medical doctor. Okay, and that is Doctor Doctor. Okay. Felicity is a toxicology specialist and uh, Dr. Denny Murphy is a geologist. Okay. So I don't, I want Dr. Doctor operating on my body before the other two. And honestly, I would like Scully to operate on my, honestly, she could operate on my body anytime she wants. Okay. So yeah, I think I don't really have any other large, I mean, we're going to get into all of the scenes and stuff, but I enjoyed this episode. I, Watch, uh, you know, we watch usually the episodes twice, I think. Do you still do that, Jenny? You watch it once for vibes and once for notes? Oh, yeah. And uh, I watched it a little later than I should have. um, And I fell asleep for a small, but just a small part. And today when I watched it to take notes, I was like, I wonder what I missed. And do you know what I missed? The CGI worms. So I actually (laughs) just slept through them on the first viewing. I only had to see those guys one time. Wow. Also, um, you know how I was like, Ice, ice, baby, bum, bum, bada, bum, bum, bum. I then I, I was mm-hmm. thinking about how the that song, ice, ice, baby, is of course taken the the melody or whatever you call it. Uh, you probably wouldn't know what you call things in songs, Jenny, but that mm. that thing is taken from Queens under pressure. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was thinking, wow, this episode actually encapsulates if you take those two songs and put them together. It is ice, ice, baby, which is under pressure because that is it goes. <gasps> 6,000 feet or more down. Miles? Feet? I don't know. Jeez. So. It's good. It's really good, Kristen. Some of your best work. I just, I, if I think it, I say it. And then if I don't like it later, I cut it out. So you know what I mean? That's how you podcast, mm. everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arctic Ice Core Project. Very disappointed in these folks for not giving us a good acronym. I was like, ooh, AICP? That's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> in Icy Cape, Alaska. Jenny, have you ever been to Alaska? I never have been. Have you? No, I haven't. And it just seems like, I mean, not not but not based on this episode, but it seems like a place I would like to see one day. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. I'm I'm currently accepting opportunities to go to Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking buffering a rewatch adventure, a live event in Alaska when, you know? Mm-hmm. Icy Cape, yes, Alaska, please. too. Let's go 250 miles north of the Arctic Circle where it is negative 35 degrees outside. Oh, no. Thank you. Thank you. We get this incredible establishing exterior shot that we already talked about. Wind Frosty whistling. Snowman. Yeah. Uh, we see 
cute dog who never gets a name wandering around the interior, uh, which looks trashed. Oh, no, there's dead bodies all around. And then a bloodied science hunk staggering around with a gun. What a hunk. I Uh, agree. I'm glad you called that out. He records one of those classic, it all went horribly wrong messages for the outside world, in which he says, We're not who we are. It goes no further than this. It stops right here, right now. Some other science hunk has other ideas, uh, and they tussle, they get each other at gunpoint, and then they shoot themselves. They yeah. each shoot themselves. Kristen, listen when I tell you okay. that these two men, Richter and Campbell, are played by Ken Kurzinger and Sonny, I'm probably going to say his last name wrong, Surowich? Surowick? Surawike? Surawise. <laughs> if you say it uh, every way, then you'll have to hit Yeah, it one then time. I've covered my bases. Mm-hmm. So these two guys are both actually uh, stunt people, uh, and Ken is the stunt coordinator of the X Files. Wait, is Ken hunk number one or hunk number two? That's right, <gasps> hunk number one. And he has gone on, he's gone on to do stunts in so many things Watchmen, X Men Origin, Wolverine, Incredible Hulk. Wow, he's just a stunt coordinator for hunks, it sounds like. Yeah, (laughs) X-Men The Last Stand, uh, Catwoman starring Halle Berry, a bunch of stuff. And then Sonny has done stunts on Captain Marvel, Big Time Rush, Castle, The Town, Legion. Uh, They've both been, you know, all over the place just stunting it up. But I love that, uh, that we get these two guys in you know, proper, they're in proper dramatic speaking roles. So we, we don't have the, um, the disconnect because they do get like really physical with each other yeah. and they're able to do that because they know cool. what they're doing. Uh, love it. Love That's that. Great. Um, yeah, I got, I got big, you know, that meme where there's three Spider-Mans and <laughs> I got that vibe here and I wrote it down. And then later in the episode, which is actually the sound clip that we started this episode with, I was like, wow, this is even more the Spider-Man meme where like all three of them, like it's like Mulder has a gun at Scully. Scully has a gun at Mulder. Fucking Dr. Doctor <laughs> has a crowbar. It's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man o'clock. Um but yeah, um, bad news. Everyone's dead. And well, actually, technically, good news. Would it have been if they didn't show up, and the dog had died? Because the dog, the the parasite alien, would not have killed the dog. Because we we learned that the way that this little worm works is it gets in your system, and it it sucks up whatever chemical your hypothalamus is outputting, and that makes you violent. But it doesn't kill you. It just makes you violent, and so y- you kill until somebody kills you. So you, so if the dog had starved, right, because that would have eventually yeah. happened, then mm-hmm. would the little wormy have died because it wouldn't be in the ice. It would be in the dog. Yeah, would it, like, inchworm out of the dog and, like, yeah. try to, like, get back in its little get ice. under the, yeah. the door jam <laughs> back out into the frosty frosty? Um, anyway, we go to the credits. Jenny, I've been you know, thinking about when we do our first in-person live event for the X-Files, because 
when we would do our in-person live events for Buffering the Vampire Slayer, of course, we'd play the Buffy credits and I would put pictures of Jenny and I into the credits along with any other guests that came by. And so it's like, like, it seems like a no-brainer to put like you over the FBI badge for Mulder and me over the FBI badge for Scully, but then they're not on the badges. So I'm just like, I'm saying it out loud here for either support or dissent (laughs) now so that I have time to really think about where I'm putting our faces. Yeah. Do we need to add in two whole other badges? Do I need to take Jenny's face and stretch it out like a screamy alien face? Yeah, the wiggly (laughs) scream man, for sure, for sure. And then you can be the silhouette. Yeah. I'm just sitting on the on the like cloud UFO, like chilling. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, if you know any okay. video editors, call, call us because I don't yeah. know what I'm capable of over here. <laughs> OK, so speaking of videos, we're watching one now. We're watching the video yep. that we saw made before the credits. Well, first we watch a video of happy science hunks uh, <laughs> rejoicing. Oh, they're so proud. I know. They beat a drilling record. They did. They 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 drilled deeper than has ever been drilled before, which is also what she said. You know what I mean? Eek. Uh, their work was going great. Everything was awesome. They were almost done with their assignment and then... The we're not who we are video is received. Nobody's been able to reach them because of bad weather. So they're sending Scully, Mulder, and a few good doctors up to HQ to see what's going on. Quoth Mulder, bring your mittens. (laughs) Scully is like fucking haunted by this video when she watches it. Yeah, she's transfixed. Yeah, she is like fucked up. She's like, what? happened up there like really into it she's also do you think that after this conversation scully went to the local north face outlet and got this white parka or do you think she had the white parka before seems like an assignment purchased to me okay yeah she was like "Mm, gotta look gotta look good for my boy uh in the (laughs) arctic let me get let me get some fucking white parkas up in here although she we'll talk about her bangs in a little while because they really go on a journey and they're floofing they really are Okay, so we are, I assume that this is the airbase that is in Alaska. We've made it to... Yeah, this is Nome, Alaska. And we're meeting the whole crew. We've got Denny Murphy, the geologist who loves listening to old football games on his Walkman. We've got Dr. Dr. Hodge and Dr. Nancy Da Silva. Hodge wants everyone to show ID. Clearly, he's seen the we're not who we are video and is like, (laughs) we're going to make sure we are who we are. And then up rips a cool guy in a mud splattered Jeep blasting rock music. It's Bear, the pilot. Hell yeah. Wow. Yeah. He, um, I would love this Jeep. This is a cool fucking Jeep. Only a cool dude drives a Jeep like that. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Uh, He says, the only credentials I have is I'm the only one flying you up there. You don't like those credentials? You can walk. My favorite part about Jeff Cobert <laughs> delivering this line as Bear is that Denny, the character of Denny, is delighted. Everyone else is like, oh, shit. <laughs> and Denny is like giggling to himself. Denny's super into Bear. <laughs> uh, my next note, Jenny, is this plane is why I couldn't be in the FBI. It's actually the only reason. Um, otherwise, I'd be well suited for a job <laughs> yeah. in the FBI. But fuck this tiny plane. Yeah. This plane is so small. Mm-mm. I just... You know, when you're in a commercial plane with uh, 
hundred something other people, you can lie to yourself and say, this is just a room. <laughs> and it's a room that starts here and then ends somewhere else. Yeah. But when you are in a puddle jumper, so tiny, there's no lying. There's no escape. You are a tiny bug. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't get in uh, Like, I, I literally would not. I won't do it. Yeah, Unless I'm fleeing a parasite worm. Like, if I'm getting yeah, away that would be... from imminent death, certain death, <laughs> then I'll get in that plane. Yeah, that's the only thing that that plane is less scary than <laughs> is a parasitic worm from space. Yeah. So they arrive at the Arctic Ice Core Project. And they head in with flashlights. Flashlight alert. Uh, bodies everywhere. The power is out. The ice cores in the freezer, which were 250,000 years old, have melted. What a bummer. A quarter of a million years melting away in a couple of days. I have a question about flashlights, actually, Jenny, because there's flashlights are used a couple of times in this episode, and, and it's the first time that flashlights are used more than once inside of an episode. So I wasn't sure for the abacus, uh, in case you're new, we uh, keep a running tally of several things on bufferingcast.com slash abacus. One of them is flashlights. Do I count one for this episode or do I count two for this episode because the flashlights come back later? Remind me where they come back later. Uh, well, they come back later when they're in the bedroom suite. Like when they're down in the bedrooms. I think that counts as twice. Okay. Well, Jenny, uh, I will I will abide by these rules. I will count I think the, two times. I think, I, th- I think the criteria for flashlight counts is, are they in a new place where something scary could happen? <laughs> okay. Where something could appear in the flashlight okay, beam okay. unexpectedly. Great, great. So in the first use of flashlights, they are they're using it because the lights are off and there's dead bodies everywhere. And the second use of flashlights, they're using it because they're downstairs and there's parasite aliens. So two different mm-hmm. scenarios mm-hmm. for flashlights. Yes. Check. Okay, so Mulder gets jumped by the dog. Listen, this is pretend the dog is an actor. Everything's fine. The dog's actually a nice guy. Yeah. I have to pay uh, attention, Jenny. I'm not even listening to what you're saying because I've just been sitting over here trying to think of acronyms for the Arctic Ice Core project. And I, <laughs> I'm really just not in the episode. So I'm going to stop that for a little while and I'll go back to my project later. <laughs> Bear intervenes and gets the dog off of Mulder but is bitten in the process. And then Hodge tranquilizes the pup how many rugged men in henley's does it take <laughs> to deal with one leftover dog the sole survivor of the arctic ice core project god i think an extra one only because felicity huffman uh as what's her name felicity she is so it's like if her character is like so scared and so non um able to participate in a physical manner until the very end of this episode so i think she, there's an extra man required uh, there for Felicity because Felicity is just really not having the physical labor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They see black nodules on this dog. Now, I want to let you know that if I saw this on a dog, I'd be like, this is on every dog. It just looks like a little, it just looks like a little, what? just looks like a little skin thing. I would have not. This is what, I, Frank, cover your ears. <laughs> Don't listen to Kristen. <laughs> How dare you? It didn't seem like that dramatic to me. My, my issue with these black nodules is. Later, just in minutes, you know, mm-hmm. Bear Bear has them uh, under his arm, like, immediately. Yeah. And then there's, like, a lot of talk about, like, they re-examine the dog. Hodge re-examines the dog later. The nodules are gone. When? <laughs> 
when did the dog, the worm just went into the dog just now? <laughs> because that's like what I'm getting from the bear info. Right. He gets bitten and immediately has the nodules. Interesting. And this is maybe one little area mm-hmm. where I'm like, I feel like this could be tightened up. I know we're working in a like, you know, 43 minute span of time here there's mm-hmm. a lot of story to tell but it was the one thing where i was like i feel like i don't quite exactly understand the rules about this one aspect right, the nodules the, the but also you know what they're space worms they could do whatever they yeah, want i was it's gonna really say i really wish that the dog examination ended at the black nodules but it fucking doesn't because the dog's been scratching at its skin because oh no my note is puke with, mm, looks like 30 U's to me in all caps. Just absolute fucking puke. I actually do agree with LaToya Ferguson. I will take a ghost any day over this kind of shit. This is body horror. And body horror can fuck all the way off. I don't like it. I don't want it. Yeah, I think that this might be, in my mind, kind of the peak of body horror. Mm-hmm. The idea of something under your skin yeah. that like... you. Yeah. Bleh. Blah, blah. You know what? I'm sorry for even saying it. Okay. Um. So Bear goes into the bathroom after being bit by this dog. And like Jenny said, the nodules have appeared immediately. <laughs> immediately. Oh, also, I think it's Dr. Nancy De Silva who says when they find the nodules on the dog. <laughs> yes. They look like symptoms of the bubonic plague. She really so she says bubonic. Is Are you supposed to say bubonic? <laughs> I, for those of you listening to this episode who are not patrons of ours, you will not have just heard our comics episode where we talk about the pronunciation of like three other words for two hours, but it's becoming a thing. Um, I say, well, you know, yeah, I say bubonic, um, but she's a doctor, so maybe we trust her. I'm sticking with bubonic until until an, a real life doctor tells me otherwise. She really just went right there too, you know. She was like, "Oh well, clearly bubonic plague." Bubonic. That's plague. what I'm saying. Like, how often are you encountering uh, yeah. symptoms of the bubonic plague, ma'am? <laughs> Um, all right. Back in the compound. This is where my notes uh, let me know that Scully's bangs are sticking straight out. There's just like this one scene. And I love it because, you know, listen, we haven't even acknowledged this yet. But I, Kristen Russo, am the biggest fan of the X-Files when everybody's in their fucking casual clothes and they're in their casual mm-hmm. clothes the whole time. Because when you're in the Arctic Circle, <laughs> you got to be casual and warm. You know, yeah. you got to be toasty. But um, yep, yep. Her, she's looking great. She's in a fucking flannel. I love to see it. But her bangs are straight out. And I love to see that, too, because it's an extension on the casual clothes riff. You know, we're cozy. Right, right, right. We're not worrying she's about She's not as coiffed as she is exactly. at the office. Yeah. she. This actually reminded me of my little baby son, who's four and a half months old, <laughs> whose hair is so floofy and baby duck-like <laughs> that it just sticks out you know, in every direction at once. And it's like so like light and <sighs> staticky. Uh, and that that's the vibe that Scully's things have to me. Um, okay. So Scully explains that uh, these two guys actually killed themselves. Um, that's what her findings have shown. And Bear comes out of the bathroom and is so suspicious. Okay. He literally <laughs> busts out of the bathroom and is like, so, but like nobody has the black nodes on their butt. I'm just asking for science reasons. Like nobody's got like black nodules on them, do they? 
And Hodge reveals that what we mentioned about the dog, he, that he's re-examined the dog and the nodules are now gone. Bear gulps silently to himself. <laughs> oh, Bear. Um, I've broken apart this episode into sort of beats because it is a bottle episode. There's not like really big location changes to my next right, right. beat is working, working because Bear is... You know what? Let, let's take a moment for fucking Bear because... As he tells us later, nobody fucking told him what he was even going to be doing. He gets Honestly, this is rude. Fucking rude. And then not only does this man fly them there and expose himself to shit that everyone else knew they were doing and he did not, but he's helping out. Like he just he could have flown the plane and sat next to the plane until they were done and been fine. But he helped with the dog and now he's dragging bodies around. He's fucking pitching in and you know what happens to him? He fucking dies. So I'm just mad on behalf of Bear, okay? Deeply unfair. Yeah. Felicity's moving bagged guns. Mulder finds a receipt that has we are not who we are uh, written You know what this it? made me think of, Kristen? Mm -hmm. This little artifact that uh, Mulder finds? What? <laughs> Did you print that out on your printer? Uh, this is printed out from episode zero. I've oh. just been hanging on to it. I actually meant to mail it to you without <laughs> mentioning it to you. I'm holding up the printout of the drawing of the Jersey Devil oh, uh, that someone gives Mulder in the episode, The Jersey Devil. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh. Just been holding on to this little artifact. Incredible. Thank you for that. It's just another great example of something that uh, was made with human hands mm -hmm. in the X-Files. Yeah. We are not who we are scrawled all over this receipt. What is the song that I keep thinking of every time we say we are not who we are? We are who we are? There's a song. I'll work on it. I'll work, I'll work on it as we go. Maybe it'll come to me. Um, okay, so we're in a meteor. Uh-oh. This is like that tweet, Jenny, where Scully says uh, this victim was stabbed multiple times and fucking Mulder is like, <laughs> have you ever heard of the fucking stabby alien, the knife alien? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. uh, because Mulder has now realized that there's a difference in depth onto on like the topographical report and the other kind of report. And Denny explains to him that they were drilling in a meteor crater. I write in my notes, oh, a no! meteor, you say? Mulder's catnip. <laughs> oh, my God. Medical doctor versus medical doctor is the heading for my next scene where Scully has discovered that there's ammonium hydroxide in Richter's blood. And doctor doctor says this would be impossible. They are at mm -hmm. odds. Two doctors, two doctors disagreeing on something that never happens mm. in real life. Denny, Denny, uh, fucking MVP, says he actually found a high ratio of this in the ice core that could not have been produced by the Earth at any point in time. But now Mulder is just fucking bouncing off the walls. He's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. We got a <laughs> meteor. We got some shit that you can't make on Earth. This is my fucking jam. <laughs> um, a foreign object could then my next note Jenny is wiggle wiggle lil alien man that's what my next note is so you can take it from uh, here <laughs> wiggle wiggle lil alien man yep that's what I said in my notes is this the microscopes they're probably seeing it under the microscopes now <laughs> yeah you talk about something wriggling under that microscope yeah. oh my gosh it's the same thing that's in Richter's blood Scully immediately hypothesizes perhaps it's the larval stage of a larger animal. 
Bear is like, right. can we fucking go now, though? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Bear and Hodge want to GTFO yeah. with the bodies. And Mulder's like, hey, we could be responsible for bringing the next plague back to civilization yeah and you know i mean you can tell that these these folks are super concerned about um spreading disease because they are wearing masks and gloves and you know they're doing a lot of stuff to make sure they're protecting themselves they're not doing any of that they're simply just just absolutely bare in the environment uh as a as a post-pandemic society i'm like guys this is not how you do it (laughs) yeah okay so scully says that if they're going to leave they have to determine if anyone is infected this is where I have to take over talking again because we're going. There's so much poop in this episode, Jenny. There's just poop everywhere. I'm so sorry, but I didn't write the episode. Doctor, doctor, fine. <laughs> doctor, doctor asks for a blood and stool sample. Uh, Denny, every we get everyone's relationship to pooping. Well, Denny's and Mulder's. Denny's like, mm, when I travel, I can't really poop too good, guys. And Mulder's like, anybody get the sports section? <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the line that tickled Latoya and gave us our scary rating meter. Let's hear it, John Mark. I ain't dropping my cargo for no one. Wow. Sir, your cargo? <laughs> He's a pilot, you know. He only knows how to talk in pilot terms. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he smashes a glass against the wall. Yikes. And then... He finally acquiesces to being checked, but then he takes the cargo jar and bashes Mulder over the head with it. Ooh, yeah. Um, cool. This is where they wrestle Bear down. It takes, like, I think three of them to get Bear down. They see the frigging worm moving under his skin. Hodge makes an incision and pulls it out, (laughs) and it spits a dark fluid all over the place and I throw up and Mulder runs to the radio to call the airfield to request a pickup and quarantine but uh oh there's a heavy storm and by the time he comes back with the bad news that no rescue is currently available Bear is dead wow um first of all uh please everybody note for the record that I call Scully is the first one to tackle Bear and I refer to this in my notes as a flannel on flannel tackle um oh my God. So it's important it's important uh to know for your sports you know yeah yeah um i also would like to give a special shout out to scully's face as she's taking this fucking parasite out of bear because it is the most realistic this is exactly what my face would be doing if i had to do this thing she does not look like a medical doctor at all she looks like Kristen russo having to pull a parasite out of a body <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I hope uh, none of us, nobody making this podcast, nobody listening to this podcast ever has to pull a parasite out of another person. And this is one instance where I'm going to say, dear listenership, dear, vast, sprawling listenership with a variety of human experience, please do not write to us if you happen to remove parasites from people. Uh, Please don't tell us. We are thankful for your service. But we don't want the details. We don't. Although, Jenny, this is a great opportunity for me to tell you about some details that we did get from a listener about closing the eyes of a dead body. Oh, good. Good, 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 good. Uh, Our listener Finn wrote in. uh, And they said that they work on a hands-on science museum um, and their boss and his husband are former funeral directors and embalmers. 
They said that depending on how long the person has been dead, the TV move does sometimes work in the moment to close dead people's eyes. However, Aww. apparently your eyelids relaxed state is open. When you die, all of your muscles relax, so your eyes are inclined to be open rather than shut. So even if they close in the moment, they'll eventually open. Um, Finn says, to prevent this, the embalmers have things called eye caps that they put on your eyes like contact lenses, and they close your eyes over the caps, and the caps hold them shut. Apparently, a similar thing is true about our mouths, uh, but apparently the method they use to keep dead people's mouths shut is much more horrifying, and I did not ask clarifying questions about it. Thank you, Finn. Understanding the boundaries of the conversation. <laughs> Jenny, the only other thing I want to say, and then I promise I will move us on to the next scene, is that <laughs> these worms are like the anti-theft tags in stores where if you remove them, they spray ink everywhere. And I just... Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> Which is also like a very 90s... Like, that's very embedded in my 90s memories of like, if you pull totally. the tag off, it'll actually just ruin it for everyone. No one gets the shirt <laughs> if you try to steal it. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Oh, Moving along. Um, swimmy Wormy is my next heading. So... Um, Great. Yeah. Scully is, is letting us know that she has found a swimmy wormy in everybody uh, in the place. And it's been in the hypothalamus gland. I talked about this alre already, right? It doesn't kill you until you take it out. And then it kills you. So they basically killed Bear. Um, they thought they were saving him. But if they had just put him in a room, uh, I mean, you know, I guess all of the events that uh, that unfold would not uh, have unfolded, but definitely it's the removal of this that kills him. Yeah. <sighs> Mulder's track record, <laughs> I feel like lately, of getting involved in trying to save people <laughs> has not been the best. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the dead body room now. But it's a, this is, and LaToya said this in her notes too, this is a really great back and forth between them where like both sides have a very valid argument on these worms um mm. <laughs> my first note in this scene is a mask a glove perhaps just like and do you want to put anything on your body to protect you from this unknown undocumented infection um but scully basically this is the this is the divide right scully says she wants to find a way to kill this thing and Mulder says he doesn't know if they should kill it <sighs> It's like, this man loves science too much. Yeah. He, he, his point, uh, we'll talk about aliens in a second, but his point is like, if we don't kill it, because there might be another one, which, and this is like a total alien mindset, right? Like, we, we, you're just going to assume that this is the only little wiggly worm under the ice? Like, what if there's another wiggly worm under the ice and that one gets out into the general population? If we take this wiggly worm back, then we can figure out how to, you know, how it works. And then instead of having a pandemic that kills everyone, mm. we will already have had the time to use the wiggly worm. OK, so I understand <laughs> both of their sides. I think they both have valid points. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. However, a great moment happens when <laughs> Mulder's like. So there's a meteor. That's where we are. And there's theories that aliens survive on ammonia. And her fucking face is just like, and she says one word and it's just, no. <laughs> yeah. No. Mulder, no. I love that she's just like shutting it down. 
no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Hodge is convinced that Mulder and Scully knew what they were walking into. <laughs> Sowing the seeds mm-hmm. of discontent and uh, fragmentation. Felicity is kind of sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna try here. Her name Nancy. I know De Silva. Sorry, De Silva. <laughs> Nancy De Silva from New Jersey. I mean, if she's uh-huh. not, but it just sounds like a real New Jersey. Like probably name, right. Um, she's kind of all over the place. Like you never know. I, at first, I thought she's like only on Doctor Doctor's side. You know, like they're the duo versus the duo of Mulder and Scully. And Denny is the one who kind of tips the scales because Denny's usually on the FBI side of the line. Um, Then Denny dies. But Felicity kind of goes back and forth. Like she's defending right now. She says to Dr. Doctor, when he says, you know, the fucking infected blood got on Scully, she's like, "Mm, it also got on you, pal. So I don't know. I just, I I appreciate that Felicity is not necessarily committed to who she's allying with. She's just, whatever (laughs) seems right in the moment. She's keeping her options open, Kristen. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, okay, so, man, Scully wants to incinerate these bodies so bad. Uh, she also wants to incinerate Dr. Doctor so bad. Yeah, well, he's he's like, mm, you seem stressed. He's like, are you on your period by any chance? Can we please play the patriarchy jingle for Dr. Doctor? The patriarchy! <laughs> It's time for everybody to check each other for nodules. You know, there's this Brad Paisley song called Check You for Ticks, <laughs> in which a brave songwriter or songwriters tried to make checking for ticks sexy. You know, and I can't fault them because checking for ticks is really important. It's, you know, for your safety, for your health. But sometimes things that are like good for you are like really boring and annoying. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I got to check him for text. So Brad Paisley slash who Brad Paisley as the performer and whoever wrote the song might be Brad Paisley himself. Uh, all, you know, really put their weight behind trying to make. Tick checks sexy. I'd like to walk you through a field of wildflowers. I'd like to check you for ticks. Did they succeed? Not for me. But uh, what really doesn't succeed is checking each other for parasitic worms. You know, Even less successful. Uh, listen, I, I can't say that knowing... I think I'm just really good at compartmentalizing, Jenny. So I just put it out of my mind that we were looking for parasites when... Because the boys, whatever... The boys all are checking each other, and it's not sexy at all. The Boulder makes a small penis joke. Remember, we're in the Arctic, boys. Uh, and then we go to the girls, and this is really gay, okay? This is none of our business, This is sure. This is not Kristen and Jenny read into stuff. This is... This is not just, oh, they didn't have any clothes on and they're checking each other for stuff and we make it sexy. They do this like very sensual checking of each other. And then after that, they take a full beat to look into each other's eyes and like giggle a little bit. Yeah, it's really there's really something I would like going to- on here. I would like to play the significant eye contact jingle. It will not be counted on the abacus because it is between two different characters. But please play the jingle, John Mark. Thank you so much. All right.
right. So this is uh, flashlight number two. We're down in the sort of bedroom quarters of the ice drillers who are no longer with us. And everyone takes the dead guy's bedroom. How fun. Um, Scully's room features a poster of two sexy ladies. And it says bosom buddies at the bottom of the poster. Uh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Feels like 1993 in a big way. For those of you who don't know, Bosom Buddies is a show, was a television show starring Tom Hanks as one of the the two Bosom Buddies. And the IMDb description of Bosom Buddies is, two young single ad men must disguise themselves as women to live in the one apartment they can afford. So please go back and enjoy whatever the fuck happens in Bosom Buddies. I've never seen it, but I would like (laughs) to. This is a play on that, where the bosom buddies are actual bosoms. Um, Kristen, I think bosom buddies might even, as like a, a reference point, like the phrase bosom buddies means like close friends, but then the word bosom also means the region of a woman's body where, <laughs> where the top part of a bikini might go. <laughs> The top bathing suit area. My favorite new activity inside the pod <laughs> is just being really quiet while you are forced to finish the sentence that you started. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's fine with me. You're saying that the that the phrase "bosom buddies" meant meant friendship before there was a show called "Bosom Buddies," so that this this poster, the play on bosom, could have happened before there was a television show. Yeah, I don't think it's a play on, like, Tom Hanks in drag. I think it's just a play on, uh, there are two women in this, and they have have boobs. And and their boobs are buddies. And they're friends. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Their boobs are like, hey, hi. (laughs) (laughs) But what's incredible is that, so there's the Bosom Buddies poster. There's, like, Playboy covers on all the walls. And at first, I thought they were just going to kind of go hard on, like, you know, these guys were out in the ice and like whatever, but every other room we see just has like tasteful art on the wall. <laughs> so it's just Scully is the only one who got like the Playboy heavy room. Yeah. She also has in her room a cowboy hat hanging on the wall. And I'm like, wh- when would these science hunks have? occasion to don a cowboy hat it's not like they can go outside and they'll need to shade their eyes from the sun under a hat that's only as thick as a cowboy hat i'm just so curious jenny maybe you know uh maybe the lady doth protest too much except for the ice driller doth protest too much and maybe the reason that this guy had all of these naked women on his walls was to distract from the fact that he actually was sleeping with another dude who was one of the ice guys and sometimes when they fucked they would wear cowboy hats maybe that's why oh okay (laughs) it feels like a bit of a reach to me but Kristen, you know follow your bliss i'm just saying i didn't have to reach far for it it was right there for me so oh okay okay um denny in his room still listening to his little walkman the what do you call it? Pavlov's Walkman? Hitchcock's Walkman? What is it? Chekhov's Thank Walkman? You. <laughs> yeah, Chekhov's Walkman. Good Lord. Uh, Dr. Doctor's making a list. 
His list is Mulder, attacked by dog. Scully, exposed to infected blood. Denny, exposed to liquefied ice core. Yeah, Dr. Denny is like, for those of you who got home late and are just tuning in to the middle of the episode, (laughs) let me catch you up real quick. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Felicity, sorry, Nancy is in her room and I write, she's crying, thinking about Scully. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm sorry. I know I'm talking too much, but also no shirt, all service Mulder has returned to the fucking Oh yeah, I had... A note about this. Here's the deal. I think when they get there, the generator's been off. I, they don't. I don't know if they say exactly for how long, but long enough for ice cores to completely melt. Melt. Okay, so this is interesting. The generator's off, but it's still warm enough inside for the ice to melt. Okay, sorry. I had made a note that was like the generator's been off for days or maybe even a week. But they've gotten it warm enough that Mulder can sleep with his shirt off. But I guess maybe the lights slash refrigerators are on one generator. Yeah. And the heating system is on a different generator. Sure. Never never mind. But it is a good point, Jenny, though, because it it does seem like my mind was just like, oh, yeah, the fridge has been unplugged. So clearly it's melting. But you're right. We're in the fucking Arctic. So if there was no power in the freezer, it would still be frozen. Right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, well, anyway. It's hot and sweaty. Um, I, I say in my notes that Mulder is pulling a real angel waking up so sweaty and shirtless. <laughs> uh, uh, I will say also Mulder, when he goes to bed, mm-hmm. he puts his gun on his nightstand right next to his head. Scully, are you taking notes i think she is jenny she's got the fucking she's gotten a one but two guns a little in a little while right on her person. oh yeah that's true she's that's doing better yeah, they're all over she's covered in guns, covered in guns. <laughs> okay so Mulder wakes up because he hears a noise and he puts a shirt on sad uh, sad sad and he discovers denny r.i.p Ooh, yeah he falls out of the ice freezer so so, so we are to believe, fast forwarding, that it's Nancy who has killed Denny. Yes, his his throat looks slit. Yeah. So maybe she was holding the f- the freezer door open, got him to stand right by it. She was like, slit "There's ice throat. cream all the way in the back. Can you reach it for me?" <laughs> yeah. 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 And obviously, women are strong. Women women are powerful. But but Felicity Huffman is is definitely. Uh, much much smaller yeah than this fella yeah but she somehow stuffed him in the in the old freezer oh i wonder if you get extra 
Uh, Felicity Huffman is five five. Oh, so she's not she's not a small the tiniest as woman. I thought, but she, she was. is very she's very uh slight. Yes, she's petite. But oh, but I wonder if you are imbued. I wonder if you get space worm strength when you are <gasps> carrying a parasite. Oh fuck yeah! Of course you do, Jenny. That's a great point. Okay, so forget everything we th- forget yeah. everything you thought you knew about <laughs> uh, how large of a man Felicity Huffman could stuff into a freezer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So Scully and Nancy and Dr. Doctor walk in and shit gets intense. Dr. Doctor is like, you killed him. And Mulder's like, I heard a door close. I came out to see. So that means one of you killed him. You do not want this kind of energy when you are trapped in an Arctic bungalow in 250 miles into the Arctic Circle. This is bad news yeah everyone is screaming at each other all the time yeah this is the clip that we played up at the top and it is intense this is definitely this has to be the most the like the highest we've gotten of scully and Mulder, like at all but also like towards each other you know scully is like shut up stop it um Mulder is like Pulls a gun on fucking Dr. Dr. Scully pulls a gun on Mulder. It's everybody's (laughs) threatening everybody. And Mulder is just like, I am not letting you fucking take any of my blood because you're going to fucking doctor it because that's because you're a doctor and that's what they do. (laughs) And (laughs) uh, you'll doctor my blood. It's literally in your job description. (laughs) I'm not turning my back on you. And he says, Scully, it's me. And she says, Mulder, have you been watching the tapes? You may not be who you are. I would like to ask John Mark, beloved John Mark, I'm asking you for so much in this episode. If you could please give me the significant eye contact jingle that counts in this scene. Thank you so much. That is for the fact that they make significant eye contact with each other. And it is when Mulder knows that he may be able to trust Scully with the whole of his life. Pretty intimate. Yep. Yep. She locks him up and he says, in here, I'll be safer than you. Mm. Oh, no. He's right. Okay. Okay. We've all been here. <laughs> you know, a special time in a young girl's life when you just really want to check the back of the neck mm-hmm. of your new sleeping gal pal mm-hmm. to see if she has a worm parasite crawling around back there. Totally. Yeah, that's what I wrote. Scully was looking for worms or using this as an excuse to touch Nancy's hair. Unfortunately, Hodge catches her in the act, which leads to a confrontation that results in Scully throwing her ammunition out into the blizzard. This is so there hot, isn't an imbalance though. of power. She like pops, she like takes her gun that he can see and takes the like clip. Is that what you call it? I don't understand guns, nor do I want to, but like the thing that goes inside the gun that makes it shoot. She sure. like Sure. Yeah, totally. She pops <laughs> that the clip. She pops it out, then she fucking goes into the back of her pants, takes out the second gun, pops that shit out, and throws it into the snow. Hot. She's doing all kinds of stuff back there. Also, Jenny, I finally figured out, I mean, this isn't my best work, but it's what I can do while also actively recording a podcast. If they just called it the Ice Core Endeavor, then it would just be ice for short. Ooh, Endeavor. Yeah. So anyway. Cool. <laughs> 
Dr. Doctor says that Mulder isn't one of them now. He's like immediately going with the zombie narrative. Sorry, he's a zombie. He's not one of us anymore. We don't even know that he's sick, sir. So can you calm down? Scully says Mulder needs their help and Nancy sides with Scully. She's angling, I say, for the threesome that we all want. Wow. Hodge says now's not the time for the three of us to break down and turn on each other. Mm -hmm. And Scully says there's four of us. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, she's like the the Kirsten Dunstan Spider-Man meme. She's like looking back over her shoulder and she's like, there's four of us. (laughs) Um, But just fair. Everyone here except for Dr. Whatever his actual name is, is correct. Hodge. Yeah, Scully tries to call the airfield, and no luck. Just a lot of... (laughs) Remember the lady earlier when Mulder called the airfield who... He was like, we're all dying. And she was like, welcome to the Arctic, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So sassy. Hell yeah. Well, even she isn't picking up now. Yeah, she left. She was like, I know how to be in the Arctic. I'm going home. Um, so Hodge is doing a little research, a little blood experimentation, mm-hmm. uh, as we all do from time to time. And his assistant, Dr. Nancy De Silva, makes a mistake and he gets so mad and yells so much. These people are doing great. I'm sure everyone's going to be fine. That, but this leads to Scully seeing in the microscope that the larva from two different worms will kill each other. Mm-hmm. And it's not like one will win. <laughs> the other will die yeah they will just somehow perfectly kill each other this is interesting uh, and she tests the this theory further by <laughs> placing <laughs> one cgi worm suspended in fluid in a jar next to a second cgi worm suspended in fluid and then they're 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 posturing and wriggling their bodies in a very aggressive manner indicating to us that no no, one worm shall not suffer another worm to live. <laughs> she says, this thing does not like company. Yeah. Also, the whole time Jenny was talking about the CGI worms fighting, she was like doing little punchy arms, which really gave me a great visual that like these two little worms were like with their little punching gloves on. And uh... yeah, yeah. They were like, put them up, put them yeah. up. <laughs> so they put a worm inside old pupper. Can we name this dog Beyonce since its daughter's name in real life is Blue? <laughs> okay. So they put a worm inside Beyonce the dog. <laughs> and uh, after a little while, after a, a clear tussle, <laughs> uh, both worms apparently do- die. And then the dog is just a chill dog again. And it's like, hello, I'm a dog. Yeah. I love people. Dog just eats some food, poops out two dead worms that Dr. Hodge Ugh. finds. And uh, everything's fine. Okay, so Scully's like, let me talk to Mulder about putting a worm in him. I'm sure this is going to go great. (laughs) That feeling when you have to tell your business partner that you must put a worm inside of them. Yeah, Kristen, don't ever come to me with this pitch. I can (laughs) tell you already what my answer will be. So Scully opens the door and Mulder is like in the dark. He's like squinting and holding his hand up. He's like, oh, God, the light. And then Scully just like. Turn like pulls a chain and turns on the overhead light bulb. Mulder has been sitting in the dark completely by his own design. He's been in his feelings, Jenny. This is a real then angel they... episode for Mulder. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. We're just missing uh, mini blinds. That's all. And we're we have a few actually. There is a little bit of angel lighting in those episodes. Nope. Yeah. No. So um, they decide to check each other for worms. I'd like to walk you through a field of wildflowers. I'd like to check you for ticks. Um. Okay. Cool. Okay. There's no. No writhing, no neck writhing. Well, there's not in for Mulder and Scully when they when sure. they do their little check. Yeah, there's no worms inside of them, but like we are very close to a different kind of writhing in this uh, particular exchange of bodies. This is intense. Oh my goodness, this is the sexiest that they have been to date. Are you kidding me? And I know that we're dealing with a parasite again, but again, I'm a very good compartmentalizer. <laughs> He, she pulls his shirt down and it's like mildly, you know, she's like touching his back, looking for a parasite, allegedly, whatever. She turns around and he grabs her shirt and she is so into this. He pulls down the back of her shirt and then he like puts his whole palm around the back of her neck to make sure she also isn't infected. I understand that like they need to check, but there's absolutely nothing in the rule book that says that this is how you do it. Unless you also would like to wriggle around with the person that you're checking. Mm. That's all I got to say. My notes, my last note in this scene is, wow, what the fuck? What the fuck indeed. (laughs) Anyway, outside, this is really funny. Actually, this it's is... such a quick moment because Nancy's like, Mulder is going to convince Scully that he's not infected. And then the door opens and Scully's like, Mulder is not infected. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is pretty good. Uh, but the fools, these fools, Hodge and De Silva are like, oh, OK, we believe you. Let's go to the main building and check you after you. Mulder, you just said you weren't going to turn your back on anyone. Seriously. And and this is exactly why. Yeah, they like knock Mulder down and then lock Scully in Mulder's former little cell. Scully? Scully within one half of a second finds a gigantic ice drill bit. Doosh. And is just Doosh. slamming it on the door. Love to see it. Incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. Nancy suddenly incredibly brave about this worm. Uh, maybe because she has one inside of her, she has gotten braver, but she just scoops that little fucker right up off the ground to put it inside of Mulder. I just... Uh, but then Hodge sees <laughs> that telltale writhing under uh. De Silva's neck skin. Blah, 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 blah. Uh. Uh, and he's like... At least we know we can uh, trust Dr. Hodge. Like, he really was, even though he was kind of prickly and kind of dingbatty through most of the episode, like, he really was in it just to make sure that they were safe. How much do I love, as soon as De Silva slash De Silva the Worm know that they're found out? Uh-huh. Just cranked up to 11, freak out, breaking everything, screaming, finds a gun, shoots it into the air. <laughs> Uh, it's it's pretty wild, and then Hodge puts the worm in her ear, and uh, she does kind of what the dog did as the worms battle it out inside of her. Yeah, except for 
while the worms battle it out inside of her, she has Scully on one side, softly stroking her abdomen and Mulder weird. on the that other side. That is weird. That is the last her. thing I would ever do to someone who had worms battling inside of them. I'm just telling you, like, sh- tell me the stories of what Jillian Anderson, David Duchovny, and Felicity Huffman got up to after the filming of this episode. Just, I just want to know. I'm just saying, for those of you familiar with the photos of Taika Waititi, uh, Rita Ora, and Tessa Thompson um, having some cocktails and all kissing each other on the balcony. I'm just saying if we had the kind of camera lenses uh, that we had now, then I bet you we could see the three of them doing this scene first. I bet you they did this before those three did it on a balcony. Thank you. Thank you for bearing with me, Jenny. Anytime. Anytime. Well, back at Gnome Airfield, thank God, Hodge, Mulder, and Scully have been released because their tests were clean, and uh, the dog and De Silva have entered quarantine. It's nice that she gets to be quarantined with the dog. That's like a fun... <laughs> yeah, pupper. Yeah. Mulder's like, I'm going back. I'm going back <laughs> right now. I'm get, get me another tiny plane. I gotta go back to Icy Cape. <laughs> but uh, somehow Hodge knows, but Mulder doesn't, that 45 minutes after they left, the base was torched. Womp womp. So let's get our last sound clip of the episode, because I think this this is this is it, right? This is the encapsulation of the whole thing. This is the show. This is the show. It's still there, Scully. 200,000 years down in the ice. Leave it there. Mulder bereft. Scully over it. God. Yeah, they like sort of... Scully says, aren't I enough for you, Mulder? Oh, no. Mulder says, no, I want the space worms. So we did it. We've got a couple of uh, very important tasks to fulfill, but um, we talked about the episode. We're going to talk about sex and then talk about crystal balls. Um, and then we're going to get to hear a little bit from Jeff Kober. And that'll be our X-File, which technically this was not, though it was alien adjacent. Speaking of adjacency, Kristen, <laughs> a wise woman named Anne Carson once wrote that adjectives are the latches of being. Uh, I might argue here that, sure, unless it's a space worm. <laughs> Let's go on over to the Sexual Attention Awards and figure out who's latching on to hoopst. Incredible. We've drilled down into the ice to new depths to make room for a new Just like show me the footage before Jenny was reincarnated into Jenny, but she was a game show host. You know what I mean? Like show me that version. For a brand new assemblage (laughs) of slots into which we will place our beloved noms for this episode. In slot number one, making a very strong argument for the pure, unadulterated bliss and unity that you can experience in perfect monogamy. It's a space worm and a body with no other space worms in it. (laughs) 
There's no room for another worm in this equation. It's true. Just one worm, one body. Yes, commitment. Lifetime commitment to one and one alone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> in slot number two, it's been said that blondes have more fun. It's been said that girls just want to have fun. Oh, my God. And I'm here to tell you today that you know what else is fun? Two doctors. <laughs> In this slot, we have uh, doctors Dana Scully and Nancy De Silva for your consideration. Hot, hot, hot. In slot number three, when work companionship and a mutual respect deepen into something more intimate, mm. incredible things can happen. You can check each other for space worms. <laughs> it's special agents Fox Mulder and Dana Scully. The trust, the love. The pulling her back by her shirt. Mm-hmm. And in slot number four, because I have not nominated myself a single time in the series so far, mm. and because my passion burns bright, deep, and true, it's Jenny and all the Henleys and sweaters in this episode. Please let me have them. Let me be unified with them. Mm-hmm. Bring them unto me. Mm-hmm. Let us be happy together for once. If you'd like to make your voice heard in our Sexual Attention Award democracy, please come cast a vote. We have moved our poll off Twitter. Huzzah! And onto Patreon. Also, huzzah! You don't need to be a Patreon supporter. All you need to do is create an account the same way you would for Twitter to be able to cast a vote so that you can't, you know, cast 50 votes for the space worm. Ah! Uh, <laughs> You can find that poll by visiting bufferingcast.com slash STA. We'll lead you right to as we've left you a trail of worm crumbs directly to the poll. Worm where you crumbs can vote, like vote, vote. Crumbs that worms would eat or crumbs of actual worms for us to follow. It's not for it's not for me to say, Kristen. Okay. So come let us know what you think. Jenny, before we go into my crystal ball, I have one more um, acronym, which is um, Alaskan Core of Arctic Ice Bevy of Workers Limited, the name of the company. That's what it's that's what it's called. Oh, okay, okay. Alaskan Core of Arctic Ice Bevy of Workers Limited, and that is that um, is a whole title of something. Yeah, the acronym is Asaibo. <laughs> Okay, this is your this is your creation. I was like, who's putting bevy? I've just been workshopping over here. Wow, Asaibol, congrats, Kristen. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. Okay, it's funny that you bring up Asaibol because Mm. I'm going to ask you now to gaze into something similarly uh, heliotrope in hue. Mm -hmm. Look deep into. That sphere you trust to tell you the truth. Seek the source within Kristen's crystal ball. Do you think we've seen the last of the space worm? 
Um, I think we've, I think we've seen the last of the space worm in this series of television. But I do fear for us all because perhaps we, as a society, have not seen the last of the space worm. You know what I mean? It's out there. The truth. And the, space <laughs> the worm, worm is out there. <laughs> did did anything within the scope of the events of this episode call out to you in a this will have some relationship to the future kind of way? It's a bottle episode, Kristen. It's okay if if uh, the the aspects of this episode can't escape from the bottle. I mean, and I get think to that, the future. Yeah, like I, I uh, right. I think that this episode in particular, like this, this isn't giving me a window into too too much that we haven't already talked about. It's like my crystal mm-hmm. ball. Just everyone, it's not broken. It still works. It's just there's not a lot to uh, gaze upon in this though if i have to really force the crystal ball to show me something that i hope to see again in the future it is the way in which scully and Mulder uh behave with each other inside of their little cell i hope to see Mm -hmm. some of this play out when there's not a parasite involved and my crystal ball suggests that perhaps i shall i guess we'll have to keep watching My crystal ball, Jenny, also tells me that Jeff Kober is going to talk to us about a bunch of <gasps> shit. I don't know if it's right. Do you think it's right? Is the crystal ball correct? I, I trust deeply in the crystal ball, of course. Hell yeah. Jeff Kober, welcome back to the pod. This time, a whole new show. Just a whole brand new show, but here you are again. <laughs> it's fantastic. I'm not getting residuals for these shows anymore, but... <laughs> I get to keep talking about them. <laughs> uh, we have made a solemn vow to only cover shows in which you have appeared moving <laughs> forward in perpetuity. I mean, which honestly gives us a pretty long list to go There's, to go through. There are a lot to get through. That's right. <laughs> uh, I said I said we're we're covering a show, another show that you're on. This actually precedes Buffy. We talked to you about Buffy mm. the Vampire Slayer, um, but we've sort of. I think gone back, we're in 93 now, and I think maybe where were we, 98, 99-ish when we first talked to you for Buffy, so we're back right. a ways. Yeah. You, were you even watching TV back then? You're so young. <laughs> I was, Hell yes. I was 13 entire years old in the year 1993. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so fully watching television, right. um, yeah, but yeah. I was not, not watching the X-Files. No, that was, I was. You I were. was 12 and watching the X-Files from out the gate, for oh, sure. Oh my God. It, Getting all kinds of nightmares. Were, were your parents just uh, oblivious or just not paying attention? I think they were so interested in the X-Files that they didn't even think about whether I should be watching it. <laughs> whether you were being scarred for life or not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, look at her now. She turned out great, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Seemed to work out okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, you know, just as we did with Buffy, we usually like to start right at the very beginning in terms of how you wound up here on the X-Files. Was it an audition process? Did they call you up, say, we saw you here, we would love you for this role? What was the, what was the process? Do you know what? It was, uh, it was I, I did have to read for it, but it was unique in that... Uh, David Nutter, the director, who later went on to win an Emmy for directing uh, Game of Thrones. Hell yeah. He (laughs) actually told the casting people who his dream cast was. And I was I was the guy, as was uh, Xander Berkeley and uh, Felicity Huffman. And, you know, we we were all we were all chosen for this. 
Incredible. That's... Had you worked with David before? Or no, he, I had He'd just seen you and stuff. He's just, you know, one of those nerds who like knew people's names and watched shows and, and, and loved them. What an Amazing. eye, too, because we right? like, I mean, this cast is is unbelievable. Oh, it's man. like yeah. truly our our producer called it like a smorgasbord, a buffet of just absolutely wall to wall incredible performers. So oh, great fantastic. job, David Nutter. <laughs> Good for Dave. Yeah. No, yeah. it was it was it was an honor to to be called. Yeah. Amazing. So this is uh, season one, episode eight. Yeah. I don't know how far in advance uh, shooting was occurring, but we just talked to somebody who was in episode six and the show had not come out, like had not started airing by the time she was filming that episode. Do you recall if The X-Files was airing at all when you taped this? No, I, I, I don't think it was. It was, uh, it was we, we just didn't. I, I was excited to do it, uh, number one, just because I like to work, but also because uh, Jillian was a friend of mine and uh, we hadn't seen each other since she'd gone off to Canada to do this. So <laughs> it was, it was oh, good to hang wow. out with her. Yeah. Where did How you did you guys yeah, know each other? Yeah, same just question. through mutual friends in Hollywood. You know, we just uh, traveled in the same circles and uh, got to know each other. And you know, she was uh, we were we were able to talk about acting. And you know, she was <laughs> what I remember was she was so intense. She was you know this was her first big gig, and she just was committed to being real, and being mm. fully engaged and fully committed. And uh, David Duchovny was came from a different school of acting, so the two of them were they were working out their their uh, chemistry while we were there. Mm. So it was fun. It's funny because it really sounds also like what's happening in the roles of themselves of Mulder and Scully, like the, these two people coming from two different perspectives. They were very well cast in that regard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, our, speaking of uh, our producer, LaToya, uh, her, her big question um, was just that you're, you're the first one that dies in the episode, right? Yeah. And so you really set the tone for the entire episode. It's, it's really hinging on what happens to you. Uh, and so she was curious about your experience um, and, and wondering what the direction was like for scenes. She said, if you can remember, it sounds like perhaps you can because you're, you started by talking about the director. Uh, the direction in terms of how to die? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah what were the notes but on that <laughs> usually you know usually you're kind of left on your own for how to die because no one really knows what to say just i don't know just die man just, you know. and it, as an actor you end up watching people's death scenes and going like oh that was a good one i, I never did that before you know, eyes open eyes closed you know oh. last breath does your you know just all the different ways God, do you think well, every actor, as they actually die, is 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 critiquing how they have fake died on television, just like <laughs> side by siding that? No, no, because you'd only be watching it if you thought you could use it. Yeah, you know, you, 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 and clearly this is there's not, not going to be any chance to use it after this. But oh my God. Uh, and also, there's probably a little bit more on your mind. Yeah. As, as the last <laughs> breath leaves your body, you think? One would, one would hope. One would hope, yeah. I think like part of what Latoya was thinking about was your sort of like transition from uh, just a guy who's doing a job into like you know the first person who is actually impacted by this parasite. I guess if we're gonna call it that, yeah, yeah. Uh, and how you have this sort of like tonal shift 
as you're like starting to get very stressed out. You find the the nodes under your arm uh, and things start to get like very sweaty from there. And like that really <laughs> kicks off, I think, the tension, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and also he's uh, the, the character Bear is, uh, you know, he's working class and everyone else clearly is a scientist or oh, FBI, yeah. you know, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, he also he tries to uh, he just tries to take over because you, you guys are idiots. Everyone's going to mm -hmm. die. We got to get out of here. They're like thinking about not spreading this parasite out into the greater world, you know, and, mm -hmm. and Bear gives two shits. <laughs> he just wants to survive, <laughs> man. Gives no shits and then yeah, also Yeah, no shits, yes. <laughs> yeah. Gives no shits. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't give two shits, I guess. is the, that's, the, is. Yeah, that's what yeah. it was back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think one of the most disturbing things in this episode is... The the shots where we see one of the worms actually moving under the skin of someone who's been infected, uh, bear included. I was yeah. wondering if you could tell us about how that effect was achieved or if you were even present for that, if that was something. Well, I, what I remember is the I, I'm in the mirror and I'm looking and they've got, uh, you know, fake skin attached to my back I think it was and oh, yeah, or maybe yeah. it was I think it was here and I'm uh, just freaking out and uh, I remember there was some gross kind of muddy looking worm blood that came squirting <laughs> yeah. out onto me when <laughs> when they squeezed the worm too too hard um yeah it was just they had a they had a you know a wire kind of a thing mm. under the under really thin latex and then thicker latex when they were taking it out of there so it so was like you didn't have to actually have a worm <laughs> put under your skin that's great huge yeah. news. <laughs> <laughs> there was a well there was a stunt worm and then there was a you know the first team worm and there were yeah. a lot of different worms that they used <laughs> all right so keeping true to our our roles here jenny's of course going to ask about the worm um and i'm going to ask about the dog if you remember working with the dog what tell us everything you know about the dog <laughs> We bonded deeply. Nice. Um, <laughs> I love dogs. Yeah, it was yeah. it was great because I hadn't at that point I hadn't uh, been able to have a dog in Los Angeles, and I grew up mm. with dogs. I used to, I used to, you know, when you're a kid and you have dogs, you're kind of part of a pack. And I actually had mm -hmm. I had three dogs uh, on the farm back in Montana, and one was this little. Uh, terrier i guess he was uh, she was uh named freckles freckles i, I slept in the bunkhouse uh and uh, for for quite some time and the freckles slept up next to my head and uh josh mm -hmm. who was uh the the uh the mutt who had had a little too much marijuana when i was in college um she <laughs> she slept at my feet and yoko who was my uh, uh newfoundland slept in the doorway facing out to make sure we were all safe oh, you know sure. and, and so there's something just you, you know you feel so safe when you're surrounded by dogs so it was uh i actually bonded <laughs> with the dog more than with anyone else on the set so yeah, that very says more relatable. about me than it does about the dog <laughs> i don't know that sounds like very relatable content right there yeah yeah <laughs> You talked about knowing Jillian. Um, you talked about the, you know, this this director knew your work and brought you in with this incredible. I mean, truly like an incredible all star team of of actors yeah. all around. So just wondering what your stories uh, are from the set, memories that you have of the shooting experience. 
<laughs> See, I'm, I'm, I think, can I tell that? No, I can't tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, I don't have permission to tell that yeah, story. Yeah, That's yeah. a story for them to tell. Um, okay, great, great, great. Noted. <laughs> so, yeah, here's what I remember. I remember that I was, I, I I'm just gonna, I'm gonna like tell the truth here. I used to have a real, uh, uh, a social anxiety kind of a disorder uh, that mm -hmm. would come and go, and and I would just, you know, I would I would have to really uh, ground myself in the reality of a piece, and then just really live in that reality at that mm -hmm. time, and so that I, I I had you know bumpers that kept me uh, aligned, and I remember uh, Xander was uh, making jokes just before we were you know we were like running through some scene before we before we were uh gonna film it and and i just i just come on man stop fucking around <laughs> and, he, and he went oh oh shit you're serious oh okay okay you know and it's because i was just i was just you know trying to hold on and and, and not fall apart I, I i don't know why i'm telling you that <laughs> but it's but it was the truth at the time yeah. you know it's there's you know being an actor is I guess we all get into it for different reasons, but uh, one of the reasons that I think I got into it was because I needed to explore what was going on in here, this whole mm -hmm. machine that wasn't working quite the way I thought it should be working. And mm -hmm. that was one of those times when I was uh, actually on a job and uh, having to dig into different aspects of myself that caused things to come out that I had to uh, you know, reroute in the moment. Yeah, that probably sounds crazy uh, talking no. about it that way, but that was actually where I was at that time. No, I mean you're definitely in good company, uh, both with the two of us and and our listenership. We are mm. all uh, deeply, we're a very uh, a community deeply immersed in self reflection and talking about mental <laughs> health. So you're you're mm. good, you're safe here with us. <laughs> and I mean, uh, Jenny, that really dovetails with the question that you have here, which is one of our one of the questions that you wrote. Oh yeah, when um when you talked to Kristen uh back when we were covering Buffy, you talked about having a personal meditation practice for a long time and mm. I was just kind of wondering how you got into that and if that preceded your acting or if it is something that came along later. It it began when I uh was studying acting and mm. uh here's the here's the thing i was shut down for a long time i had you know a uh, uh, tragedy occur in my uh, adolescence that i just shut myself down and i didn't deserve to be alive and yet i couldn't die um and so i went along doing whatever the you know you do just because you got to be here and mm -hmm. uh mine involved a lot of you know uh taking substances to you know, actually be at least somewhat comfortable or numb as yeah. the case may yeah. be. Mm -hmm. And, and then when I, when I found acting, it was almost, you know, it seemed like by accident, but what I saw was that people had big emotions and they were, uh, celebrated for it. And from my perspective, you were supposed to be shut down. And so it was like, oh, wait, all this belongs somewhere. So I started mm. doing that. And as it came up, then I had to find different ways of, you know, being able to settle down out of whatever I was in. And, you know, and I tried meditation for uh, just years. I just meditated for 20 years before I found the meditation practice that I that I now teach, actually, and that I've been doing wow. myself for over 20 years. And it 
what uh, was happening up to that point was I was really living in a state of hell. And I really know that hell isn't, you know, it's, it's self-induced. It's you're the one who's causing hell, but it, you don't know how to get out of it because the, whatever the superego is just torturing you. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it has good reasons to do that. And then meditation, when I learned one that really worked for me, it allowed me to know myself as something other than that voice, know myself as something other than these feelings, and not have to listen to the story that the whole system told me about why I'm having these feelings, which is, I mm. think for all of us, like, you know, I feel bad. Well, of course you feel bad. You are bad. Here's how you're bad. Mm-hmm. And if you have anything in your life that could be used as evidence, then the whole system will build a case around that. All that by way of saying, you know, meditation then allowed me to, as everything started coming loose and coming back to life and and being used, instead of it just beating me up, I was able to start seeing myself as other than that and be able to begin to, you know, direct it in the right way and use it uh, for good rather than against myself. You know, so yeah, meditation saved my life. Absolutely. Oh, wow. You mentioned um, before we started recording that you um, are you have a podcast uh, of your own. What is your yeah. podcast? Well, I, I so I've been teaching meditation since 2007. And uh, I along the way there somewhere, my, my wife started writing a poem a day, I think in like 2011 or something. I said, well, I, I could write something. And so I started <laughs> writing just little, uh, you know, spiritual aphorisms or something and sending them out to, you know, 20 people. And and I, I ended up writing one every day and sending them out. And then more people started signing up. And I, I so I've been writing these little uh, like essays or, you know, quotes and stuff for every day since, you know, 2011. And uh, wow. I put together a book a, a year or so ago of like a hundred, uh, 108 of the, of the ones that actually, you know, were somewhat well-written and, and understandable. And I published this book called Embracing Bliss. And then I started doing a podcast where I'm talking about them and, and, uh, wow. you know, reading them and adding to them and, and other stuff, you know, uh, I'm starting to interview other people about, you know, about life and about how spirituality fits into their life and how, you know, spirituality doesn't mean necessarily something woo-woo. It's just something other than your problems. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that truth of you, the <laughs> life of you that, that is supposed to be here and, and how do you get in touch with that and wow. live from that instead of living from, you know, your self-judgment. Mm-hmm. So is the is the podcast also called Embracing Bliss? Yeah, it's called Embracing Bliss with Jeff Cober, and it's in, available wherever you know podcasts are are found. Amazing. And I the know. the nice thing is, most of them are are short. You know, seven, eight, ten minutes. One of the most important things, along with meditation, is that each day I hear something other than the noise in my head. Something that tells me, no, 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 you, here's, here, are the, here are the truths of life as we understand them, and they show that you're meant to be here, and not only that, you're meant to enjoy your life, and here's how to think of it today. So you go, oh, oh, wait, uh, it's other than the way I'm looking at it. You know, and, and 
we all need something of that every day, or we just fall into our patterns of despair and depression and, you know, whatever else our particular thing is. Yeah, I do just a short, like I'm a very novice uh, meditator, but I do just 10 minutes in the morning and it's... Great. That that is life altering for me. Yeah, just it really that is. 10 right. Minutes. Yeah, because it does exactly what you said. It's it just gives you a moment to reflect on the fact that you are not just what's in your head. You know that like yeah. there's so much more than that, and there is so much more to everything than that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. 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 I think so. We we've started. This is you're right at the beginning for us, right? We're we're only eight episodes into this mm-hmm. journey in the X Files, um, but we've started a practice of uh, ending each <laughs> interview with a question. Very specifically, we ask everybody this question. Uh, Jenny, would you would you like to do the honors? Uh, it would bring me <laughs> great satisfaction. <laughs> Jeff Cobert, do you believe in the existence of extraterrestrials? <laughs> I the chance of there not being extraterrestrials <laughs> is so minuscule. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. there are literally billions of Earth-like planets <laughs> in the part of space that we can see. Yeah, yeah. The, the you know to to think of ourselves as we're the center of the universe, it's 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 egotism in the extreme. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm sure. Yeah. Do you? We're sure. We're sure too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's a there's a, someone someone said to me once they said, but we haven't really been able to prove that they're talking to us or anything. And and someone said, listen, do you ever like stop and talk to the ants? That are on the sidewalk. <laughs> no, you don't. You just move past because they're ants. You know they're not going to understand you. That's probably what's yeah. going on. They're going like, yeah, those, yeah, <laughs> stay yeah. away from them. Yeah, <laughs> we're not super. <laughs> They'll interested. just hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> also, Jeff, apart from the the podcast, which I know we're going to be listening to, what else are you working on right now? You are a very busy person. <laughs> I uh, just. Uh, we had a movie open at South by Southwest called Self Reliance, directed, written, and starring uh, uh, Jake Johnson. Amazing! Really That's funny, nice. really interesting, and it, it uh, you know it it got the prime slot on Saturday night down in Austin, so that was fun. Uh, I'm going to New Jersey in a few weeks to uh, do a, a a movie that has to do with. Uh, social justice and uh, mm. people who were arrested for marijuana back when that was happening. And wow. Oh, wow. I have to cut off all my hair to become a New Jersey cop. Mm. So uh, I guess I must believe in the movie. To, <laughs> to be willing to, I got a lot of it here. So, um, and I've been, uh, my, my uh, uh, pandemic job that uh, just refuses to die as every once in a while they call me back to do some general hospital so I'm doing that this week too amazing nice. I did not yeah. know that that became part of your repertoire uh, during the pandemic I, I, How I, exciting. I'm, I'm, uh, this, I'm sorry I'm gonna I am gonna mention it I told myself I would stop but I won a daytime Emmy for for uh, Whoa, for general what? hospital come on 
Holy Yay. crap, congratulations. Yes, that rocks. Congrats. I have an, another friend, Michael Knight, who won three of them. I said, you've won three of these. <laughs> yeah, but they're daytime. And, and another actor said, yeah, but they look the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> an Emmy is an Emmy is an Emmy, really, <laughs> on the shelf. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much. I, I am so. I'm just hoping that our next show is another show with you, so that we have a reason <laughs> to sit down and have a conversation again. Um, it's it's always great to see you on screen, and it's uh, always delightful to get to talk to you. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. It's it's really a pleasure to see you again, and to finally get to meet you, Jenny. <laughs> right on. Yeah, thank you so much, and I cannot wait to listen to Embracing Bliss. Uh, what? A thrill to know that there's just a bunch of your voice out there on the internet. Right? For oh, God bless you. wish to listen. <laughs> Thanks so much. What what a guy. Have you ever met have you ever met a better dude than Jeff Coker? What a gentle soul. I mean truly. Uh so so happy that he came back to talk to us. Yeah, really Again. incredible. Really incredible. And so fun to also like get that insight into because we all talked about this cast and how incredible this cast was and to learn that this was the director's dream cast is just a very fun little factoid in addition to all the other wonderful stuff that Jeff talked to us about (laughs) so thank you again Jeff Um, we assume that all of you listening to this are just running over to that podcast uh, that he has to get more of his his voice his voice soothes me in the way that Rishi's soothes me you know oh totally very very warm it just wraps me right up like a little blanket Um, yeah yeah anyway Jenny um, I don't know is the case did we close it we definitely burned it down Kristen, I would say that the status of this X file is currently noduleless. Wow! And we're hoping for the best. <laughs> oh my God! Good night, Mulder. Good night, Scully. At least we're all okay. Remember, the nodules <laughs> disappear. <laughs> Thanks, Mulder. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh jesus christ um, all right well, well you better tell us who you are because the nodules may have disappeared who knows what's coming yeah. next quick while the nodules are still gone <laughs> i'm jenny owen youngs and when i'm not watching the x-files or buffy or yellow jackets i'm usually making music my latest release is an instrumental album called from the forest floor it came out may 5th I worked on it with John Mark Nelson, editor of The Pod, features contributions from BFF of The Pod, Rishi K. Shearway, and wife of The Pod, Jess Abbott. Uh, it was a labor of love and passion. It's a 12-song cycle designed to feel like 24 hours spent in the forest. Uh, I think it's nice. And you can find it wherever you stream music. You can also... Give me a shout on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Jenny Owen Youngs. Hell yeah. Uh, hey, I'm Kristen Russo, and when I'm not watching Buffy, The X-Files, or Yellow Jackets, I am often working with LGBTQ plus communities. I do a lot of speaking events, primarily at workplaces. If you have uh, the need or interest to have someone speak to the folks at your workplace about how to either be great to their LGBTQ plus employees or and or be great to their LGBTQ plus kids. You can learn more about that work at kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N 
N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can also find me using that spelling of my first and middle name on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok. And I just remembered that I made a TikTok. I like definitely forgot that I did it. And it's just there now. I can't take it. I mean, I probably could take it back, but I won't take it back. I made one. Yep. It's I embarrassed. Mom's on TikTok. Like, like, I feel like I didn't mean to mom it out. And I somehow just did the most <laughs> mom thing of all that anyone could ever do on TikTok. So... Find me there. Follow me. Uh, if you like watching uh, 42-year-old women embarrass themselves on new social media apps, hey, come hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Buffering a rewatch adventure is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at BufferingCast. You can drop us an email at hello at BufferingCast.com. You can support our work on Patreon. We would love it if you did. And also, you could support our work by buying some of our really cool merchandise. All of those things are found on our website, BufferingCast.com. This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen-Youngs, and LaToya Ferguson, with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. Until next time, the The pod pod is out out there. there. I don't know if it's just me, but my memory is not what it used to be. Whenever a coworker asks what I did over the weekend, I draw a blank. My sister brought up the time we went to a Beyonce concert, but I had forgotten that even happened. I mean, who forgets Beyonce? Any type of memory procedure honestly sounds like it'd probably be helpful for me. But if I know sci-fi, I know something like that is not going to happen without a problem. And things definitely go terribly wrong in this number one fiction podcast from Realm, Memory Lane, now in its second season. After a memory implantation procedure reveals a secret that was never meant to be discovered, an estranged mother and daughter must trust each other like they never have before, if they stand any chance of survival. This podcast dives into the meaning of memories and how they impact who you are, and is perfect for fans of Inception and Blood Ties. All episodes of Memory Lane seasons one and two are available now, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can learn more at realm.fm.